Thanks for tuning into the ES First podcast. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So take a minute to hop on over and give us a like or a follow. And of course, if you're ever in Excelsior Springs, stop on by. We can't wait to welcome you home. Uh, welcome to ES First, whether it's your 15,000th time like me or your first time. Uh, we're glad you're here. Um, it is Christmas. It is the, the Sunday before uh, Christmas, and so we take a little time to just honor God and to have a candlelight communion. So uh, if you got a candle, you can just set that aside. If you got a kid that likes to eat them, like one of my kids, uh, you know, hide them in a secret place so you don't feel like an idiot where there was no candle. If you don't have a candle, I think we have a few floating around, so if you'd like raise your hand. Uh, so when it's softly and tenderly Jesus is calling time, uh, you're not like looking for a candle. Anybody need a candle? Okay, my daughter. That's not the one that eats them, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> Do you eat those? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're, oh, we're glad you're here. Christmas is a great time. Last week, we had an incredible time with our Christmas at ES First with the music. Uh, they worked so hard on that. Wasn't that great? And pastor can still play 19 instruments, of which we heard two. Um, so if you want to hear him play uh, the juice harp, he can play that. Um, or the trombone. Or a violin. Those are his best instruments. Right? And harmonica. Harmonica are your top four instruments, right? Violin, juice harp, harmonica, and trombone. If you want to hear those, beg him, um, and maybe he'll whip those out for you. Um, And uh, we'll go from there. So anyway, uh, welcome. Uh, we're a church that believes in the Bible. We read the Bible. We, we, uh, we think that it is life and godliness for our lives, and we believe that God speaks to us through the Bible, uh, among other ways. But the Bible is valuable. We believe that God wrote it for us. Um, you know, in over, over thousands of years, it is still true. It's still valid for our life. And so as we look in that today, I pray that God would speak into your life, that you would know God in a deeper way, and that um, you would receive value into your soul from taking time to have been God, with God today, and it would, it would change you, uh, and especially going into this holiday season. Some people love holiday seasons. Some people absolutely hate the holiday seasons. No show of hands, uh, um, but my, my prayer is that among all the hustle and bustle and the traveling and the driving and eating tamales and guacamole, which I'm going to do on Wednesday, and eating uh, whatever else I eat across the way and having lots of lattes because I'll be doing lots of driving, um, that Jesus would speak to your heart and your soul and that you would know him in greater ways. That's my prayer for you, each of you, and that your children will grow up to know the voice of the Lord and to hear him and to, and to call him, um, call on him in times of need. That's my prayer for your families. And so as we move forward today, I want to just take a minute and pray for you and to, to honor you as taking this time out of your holiday season. So would you bow your heads where you are? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people in this room who have come here today, and uh, they, are, they are in a place where they need you. We're all in a place where we know that we can't make it without you. That's why we're here during this holiday season. Lord, I pray that you would speak directly and clearly to each heart, that they would, they would hear, they would open the ears, the eyes of their understanding, that they'd be enlightened, that they would understand the greatness of your love and your care for them, especially during this time, that you are God that comes close. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I got, I got engaged um, during Thanksgiving, and then um, I didn't waste any time. And December first, I got married. So um, I have a wife, 
And some of you are like, man, you didn't waste any time. It's like, my wife didn't waste any time. That's the deal. Um, but we're going to have a, a, a wedding celebration on February 22nd where we'll walk down the aisle and do all that pretty stuff that everybody likes. And you're all invited, um, but please RSVP so we make sure we have enough tacos for you. Um, I'm, I'm hoping tacos. <laughs> that was my vote. Um, so uh, it'll be right here at the church. But that's February 22nd. But um, here's, here's the thing about about marriage. We came in here on a, on a Sunday afternoon right after church, and uh, we had a quick little ceremony, and uh, we exchanged rings, and a few of our family members were there, uh, mainly her dad, who walked her down the aisle for the first time, and, and, uh, and all of that. But um, what I want to say is that is, is God gave me a wife. Hmm. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. God gave me a wife, and uh, he, he gave me somebody who was the top three things that I wanted, uh, that loves Jesus, a wife that loves Jesus, a, li- a wife that uh, is beautiful, hello, and a wife that loves me. Those are my top three things. There was other things on the list, too, but I won't go to those right now. Uh, I have them. I was looking at them, and I was like, yeah, she, she qualifies for all those. Um, but she loves Jesus, she's beautiful, and she loves me. Those are my top three things. And I, I, had, I, had, I had been wanting a wife with this kind of caliber, and heart all my life. And I tell her, like, I was like, you're the, you're the woman that I wanted all my life. And you're like, you don't know it until you meet somebody and you're like, you're the person that fulfills the things in my heart from when I was just a little kid. Did you know that? That's my wife right there. So, um, but uh, we, we, we had a wedding and, and uh, we wanted to spend Christmas together and, and all of that stuff. And, and time is, uh, somebody told me that, that life is short. Life is short. Don't waste any time, Brandon. So I didn't waste any time. And uh, so I'm excited to say that I'm a married man and I have an incredible wife. Wave at everybody, man. So, for those that don't have the Facebook uh, status or don't subscribe to the paparazzi uh, uh, newsletter, you didn't get that information. So there it is. But as he walked down the aisle, um, my, my dad did a really quick ceremony, but he said, I have, Brandon, I have a, a life verse for you and your wife. I have a, a, a verse that will mark your life. It'll mark your marriage. It'll mark everything, your ministry, and this is it. And so I wanted to share with you today. It's, it's Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy, and he will rest in his love, and he will joy over thee with singing. Now I want you to read that again. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee, that means he's close and he's mighty, and he will save. Not he might save you, or maybe he will save you, or, or, or if he decides to, or, or if everything goes correctly. He says he will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He's happy about you, which was, which was good news to me. You ever felt like that? It's like, oh, God likes me. Whew. Good Lord. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. Another version says he's quiet in his love quiet in his love, and he will joy over thee with singing. Now, my, my dad stood right here at the front of this altar, and, and, and he, he prayed over us, and he read this verse, and, and, and we, we had a, a beautiful moment. But on, on the way home, uh, actually, we're on the way to, to downtown to a hotel, and uh, we got to stay at the West End and overlook you know, Union Station and Liberty Memorial, and it was pretty cool. Uh, my sister hooked that up because she knows how to travel. Like, my sister travels, I told you this before, my, tr- my sister travels in a very bougie way. And so when I want nice stuff, I talk to my sister. Um, you got to pay for it. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not cheap. But that's where we were. And on our, on our way down there, uh, I, I said to my wife, I said, 
you know that verse my dad read? And she said, yeah, yeah. I said, when I was 19 years old, somebody gave me a book, and it was written about that verse. The whole entire book was written about one verse. And I internalized it, and I, 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 didn't, really read, I didn't read books back then. I just kind of, you know, glanced at them. But when I was 19 years old, this became my favorite verse. My dad didn't know that. I had never really talked about it. And uh, as a matter of fact, one of the first songs that I ever wrote was written with these words. It's my sister's favorite song that I've ever written. Um, and it was actually a terrible song. But it was like verbatim, almost this verse. And uh, the Lord your God is in your midst. He's mighty and he will save. And you sing and I dance. And our, my life is made for you. It's a beautiful thing that, that God lines up things that we didn't understand in lots of scattered moments to come together in moments where they become beauty, they become God's divinity and his sovereignty, they become something that becomes utterly, uh, otherworldly because of his grace, his mercy, and his spirit in our life. And so here I am today with a wife, and some of you know when I didn't have a wife, what my life was like, and you're like, yeah, you traveled all over the world. It's like, yeah, but it, life gets lonely. We're made to be together. We're made, to, we're made to, to love. We're made to give. We're made to walk side by side, and God gave me a beautiful gift and a wife. And he, he matched it with this verse that happened when I was 19 years old, when I was lonely, when I was searching when I was figuring out who I was and what God wanted in my life. And the things that would mark my life forever are that God will save and he's strong. That God is loving, he cares for you. That he is quiet in his love. And that's, that's an interesting verse because it's, it's like the love of a mother with her child. You know, like when you see like a mother for the first time rocking a baby a newborn. And it's like they don't have to go anywhere. They don't have to like, you know, be at anything specific except for doctor's appointments. It's like they just want to sit there and be quiet. Now some of you are like, nah, when I was a, a, I was just looking for a break. Ah, screaming and 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 breastfeeding and 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 cycles and and all that stuff. But there's there's moments where there's a love that cannot be understood by anybody else than those two people. Mother And that's the way God is with us. He actually is quiet in his love in a way that we can't understand. That he doesn't have to use words. He doesn't have to use spectacular things. He doesn't have to use goosebumps. It's security in knowing that God loves you. And that's the kind of value that he wants to have in our life all the time. He wants to have security in knowing that you and him are in love in such a way that he is happy, he is rejoicing over you with joy, he is quiet, he is powerful and is always there. And the Bible says that he rejoices you in such a way that God sings about it. You know, like when Christmas carols come on and some of you are are like a humbug when it comes to Christmas carols, and some of you can't shut up. You're whistling. It's a drumming song, but you're whistling it. You're walking around singing about Frosty and you're singing about Rudolph. There's, there's a joy in your heart. It doesn't matter what you sing. You are delivering joy out of your heart that comes from Christmas. It comes from Christmas. And God is delivering songs out of his heart that don't come from Christmas. They don't come from a special season. They come from you. 
It's a moment that he loves you and he's secure with you. And he is, is doing this thing that's called intimacy that happens between humans, but now it's happening between deity and humanity. It is something that he wants so badly that the Bible says that he was willing to send his son. He was willing to send his son. Check out this verse. It's uh, Galatians 4. Four through five. Now we read the Gospels and we talk about Jesus and we, we, we read uh, you know, Isaiah and talk about for unto us a child is born. But this is the verse in Galatians that says, but when the set time had fully come. In other words, that like God has been waiting and waiting and waiting for a moment where he could interject himself into the story of humanity that it would be the most valuable that it would change the history of all of the world, that it would be something so incredible that it would serve his purpose for your life and my life today. He said, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those. John 3.16 says that he came and he, he gave his son so that everyone can have everlasting life. And it says that he didn't condemn the world, but to save the world, to redeem the world. Redeem is actually a word that requires payment. When I redeem something, somebody's got to pay for it. If you have a coupon and you go to the store and I want to redeem this coupon, somebody's got to pay the extra money. Somebody's got to take care of the price. When you have a, a, a can that has a deposit on I came from Iowa now. Come on, y'all. It's like we, we used to collect cans, you know, like go around at the, we go under the tractor pole and get all those beer cans, you know, and if there's a half one, you're like seven, you're like, I'm going to try this beer. And you're like, uh, they sent us down there, y'all. I'm just checking it out. It's not healthy, but it's, you know. That's why I learned I didn't like beer. Had a bucket full of beer uh, cans. And, uh, and it, I don't know what I was talking about. See, he had a deposit. Somebody had to pay five cents extra on this can so that you could take the can in and get their five cents. Now, if you had enough cans, you can make some money as a 10-year-old because you had to redeem what was already paid for. And God had made you, and even though he lost you, there was a deposit on your life that he was willing to redeem you with Jesus. And so he sent Jesus. It says that we might receive adoption. We receive adoption. Not that we would be slaves. Not that we would just like, you know, be servants to serve God. Like, oh, I just want to be a servant of God. But you have to learn how to be a son and a daughter of God. And that goes back to resting quietly in his love. That goes back to understanding that he's a mighty one who will save. That goes back to understanding that he rejoices over you with songs that you can't even comprehend yet. God is adoring you. He is in love with you. So he comes at just the right time. I talked about last week about how gift giving is one of the most valuable things at Christmas. It's what we live for. We love to give gifts. We like to receive gifts. What am I going to get? What am I going to get? But we want to give. We want to see people's face light up. We're, we're gift givers because God is a gift giver. And so this time, he sends his son as the ultimate gift. And actually, his son comes down. And, and think about this. The Bible says in, in John that, that all of the worlds were made through him. It says, even though everything, like people, things, earth, everything was made through Jesus, by Jesus, people still didn't recognize him. Because 
He was willing to become a baby. Now, I can't think of anything more vulnerable than being a baby. It's complete dependency. It's, it's dependency that moves into a place where, where you, don't, you can't do anything. Now, the funny thing is that Jesus invented babies. Like when they were thinking up creation, they were probably like, now here's what, how it's going to work. Uh, man and woman to come together, and a baby will grow in the belly. And then, and then uh, you know, like, like horses, they come out, they start walking, right? We watch that, that giraffe video, the baby giraffe gets born, uh, you know, at, at, at the, the zoo. And we're like, ah, it's already walking, wobbly-legged and all. It's like babies come out, they don't walk for like a year. Human babies are the most dependent baby on the entire planet. Turtles come out, they start swimming for the ocean. Everything else can live life, but humans have to have complete dependency. And God designed it that way, and then he decides to become one. There's nothing more vulnerable than that. He can be killed. As a matter of fact, Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt because Herod wanted to kill all the babies under two, trying to find this baby, baby King Jesus. Dangerous. He's in, a, he's in a manger. He's in a stable being born in a place that's not all that clean, that's not that perfect, it's just a, a place out back. Jesus is absolutely vulnerable. He doesn't even really have a place to lay his head for the first part of his life. Vulnerable. He has to depend on Mary to teach him how to walk, teach him how to talk, teach him how to poop. Teach him, I didn't see poop, but where to poop. Now Jesus... You know better than, I know you know better. Now, when Mary said that, she actually meant it. I know you know better than that. Vulnerable. Vulnerable. He could get lost. He could get abducted. He could become a slave. He had to be under his father and his mother, completely vulnerable. Now, why would the king of all kings, the creator of all things, the supreme deity, make himself to become that vulnerable? One word, intimacy. Because if he didn't do that, he would never be intimate with you. He would just be a cosmic force out there somewhere floating around. But the Bible says that Jesus became human so that he would be touched by who you are. He would know who you are. He would know what it's like to go through your day-to-day grind, your day-to-day struggle. He would know what it's like to have emotions, to have mourning, to have happiness, to have joy. All of those things so that he could become close to you. Intimacy. Intimacy requires vulnerability. If you don't have vulnerability, you don't have intimacy. You can't come close to to someone who doesn't open up. Who doesn't show you places in them that they can't connect with anybody else. And God, think about this, God does that so that he could be close to you. So he could be close to you. So that you have this relationship, I'm mighty and I can say but I am quiet in my love for you. I'm close to you, and I sing over you. That's my heart. And along with this relationship comes all sorts of gifts. It comes connection. It comes power. It becomes glory. It becomes that God wants to do great things in your life. He requires things of you. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'll be with you. He says, go out there and heal the sick, raise the dead, which is incredible things that God asks for. All because he will be with you. His intimacy is so powerful. It transforms everything around you. That's what he desires. And so in James 1.17 He says this, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. 
Isn't it interesting that everything in relationships changes? Who you were when you were first married to who you are when you're walking your kids down the aisle for their wedding is completely different. Who you were when you were trying to find a career versus who you are when you were retiring is completely different. Your relationship with your spouse, relationship with your kids, relationship with your old friends, they're all completely different. But God doesn't change. He doesn't, there's no changing like shifting shadows like, oh, now it's different season. The, the shadows are longer. It's this time. The sun is out longer. The, the shifting shadows are always changing every second, every, every minute. But Jesus doesn't change. It says he chose to give us birth through the word of truth. That we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. First fruits means that you're his prized possession. You're the best of all he's created. He loves you so intimately and so perfectly. And he says, I am in your midst, close to you. And every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, from me to you. Every gift. How will you receive it? How will you operate in that love? How will you be aware of God's goodness around you is all up to you. It's a change that happens in our life as we look to God with our eyes, with our hearts, with our soul. And we say, I understand, God, the price you paid. I don't understand it completely, but I'm, I'm willing to look at it in awe of all that you've done. Every time I complain about not being close to you, every time I, 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 I don't know, I say, God, God, where are you during this time? Knowing that a simple verse when I was 19 to when I was 40 could connect all the dots of perfection without me prompting, without me telling the story or some kind of nostalgia. It was God lining it up when my dad said, Brandon, Erica, I have a verse for your life. And it happened to be 20 years later. 20 years later. God lining things up. I don't know where you are and what situation. Maybe this Christmas is the worst one ever. I've had some worst Christmases ever. Maybe it's the best one ever. It's, the, it's the, the high time you're creating every memory because you only have so much time with these kids before they move on. And you're trying to make everything right and you're trying to ice skating on the right day and, and going to see the movie on the right day and everybody going to everybody's house and, and doing all the right things and just the right gifts because, you know, after all, he's only seven and when he turns 14, you won't know what to get him. God is operating in your life every moment, every second, even through your confusion, even through your best times, even through your worst times. He is orchestrating things like a beautiful tapestry that he sews together, weaving with every good and perfect gift that comes from above. And this year, I have the most perfect gift. I have a wife. And God has been weaving that together since before I ever knew it. What is God weaving together in your life? Pastor, you come. We're going to prepare to take communion. The interesting thing about communion is God says, when you do it, you remember me. And how easy it is to forget. I mean, it's beautiful to hold candles and to think about the year and, and all of those things. But when we remember Jesus, we're remembering that he is mighty to save that he's close and he's quiet 
and tender. One of my favorite Christmas carol cities, tender, meek, and mild. I don't even know what that means. It sounds like a steak. <laughs> Does. Can I get that steak spicy? Nope. Tender, meek, and mild. But Jesus doesn't come as a great aggressor towards you. He speaks to the depths of your heart, the depths of your soul. He does it in such a way that you invite him in because it's unassuming, it's intimacy, it's, it's gentle. Elijah is standing on a cliff and he's saying, God, speak to me! And a great flame, God sends a great flame. It's like, whoa, great wind, a great earthquake, wow. That's got to be each time. He's like, that's got to be you, that's got to be you, that's got to be you. And each time God says, no, that's not me. No, that's not me. But it, what he did it. But that's not me. And he whispers to Elijah, he says, here am I. Here am I. It's the still small voice of God. The tender voice of God. The quiet in his love. The rejoicing with singing over you like a mother over her child. That's God this season. Can we serve the communion real quick?
Corinthians 11, 23 says, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. When he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you do this, and whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We start with the bread. The Bible says the body of Christ was broken and bruised for us, bruised for iniquities. By his stripes we are healed. This is the body that restores and brings us life by who he is in our life today, not long ago, but today remembering that every day we have healing in life because he was crushed. Let me partake of the bread. And he says the cup is the new covenant. He says we won't drink it again with him until we're in heaven, marriage supper of the lamb. But until then, we drink a little juice. But whatever it is, you're remembering Jesus that his blood covers you. Every sin is covered. Every stain of the past is covered. Every stain of the future is covered. As you trust him and you drink this, thing, you're saying, God, I remember that you cover me. You cover me perfectly until I see you again. So here we go. You might take out the juice. Take your candle. Somebody's going to come along and light that junk. Thank you, Jesus. that balcony now, right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace of God that came softly and tenderly. For you are better than we ever imagined. 
I thank you that this Christmas we will know you in greater ways. We hear it, we believe it, we see it. Show us who you are. We curse depression, we curse anxiety, we curse mourning, sorrow, and we embrace the joy of a singing God over us today.